Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed and now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Everybody and welcome in to another episode of the Penny Bloom Podcast. It is I, Colton Robertson, and today I am joined by Joseph George. Surprise, motherfucker! What's up? What up? What up? Always a pleasure to be here. Didn't know if you could guess that I was going to be here or not, but uh... oh man! I mean, every Friday for shit forty something Fridays now. Um, it's it's been at least me and you here mm-hmm. at the very least. The several Mondays and several Wednesdays in those last 40-something, uh, or not 40-something weeks, but 40-something movies. Mm-hmm. Um, 30-something weeks, probably. But this week, we're a little bit over halfway through the aughts. As you know, we're continuing our 52-year journey through film. We've gone all the way through the 70s, all the way through the 80s, all the way through the 90s. We've reached halfway through the 2000s, and now we arrive at 2007 where today we discuss American Gangster. Mm. Hey, my boy, you know, I got another Denzel movie in here, and I'm always glad to see him. Um, and man, can I say that uh, compared to Training Day, I'm liking this Denzel movie a lot more. Oh, um, I mean, this, this, this one hit. Yeah, this, this one, one hit, hit on absurd levels. Let's Let's lay the groundwork for the people. American Gangster released on November 2nd, 2007, written by Steve Zalian and uh, directed by Ridley Scott. This is our third stop with Ridley Scott on our 52-year journey through film. We hit him in the 80s with uh, Blade Runner, and now we've hit him twice in this decade with uh, Gladiator and now American Gangster. Uh, He also had Alien, which we covered the sequel, Aliens. but uh, yeah, very very interesting. Uh, and this is also our third stop with Denzel Washington, as you said. Training Day. We also had Malcolm X back in uh, 1992, uh, and you know Denzel oh, strictly the leading man. Mm-hmm. That man don't do the supportive role. Uh, <laughs> that man's been Malcolm X. That man has been the main character in Training Day, and now here he is, Frank Lucas, the main character. He is the American gangster. Uh, mm. He takes over movies, man. And I mean, in this role, he was definitely like, there's no question about it, him being the lead here. Like, I guess in Training Day, like the movie was supposed to be like Ethan Hawke as the, the lead. Like, I feel like it was, that was the, the idea, but like just Denzel just took over. He hijacked you know, he just, it. He's just like, yep, I, this is my movie now. Um, but I mean, I mean, we got two powerful leads here, you know, like, I mean, Frank Lucas, Denzel, he's he's the lead here in my eyes. But I mean Russell Crowe, um, he's kind of the 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 dichot you know, the if there is a dyad of this movie, you know, it's it's oh. them too. Um I'd but, say, you know, last week we covered the departed, hmm. which was our first time watching the crime movies. You know, we've we've done Godfather, Goodfellas, um, Training Day where they all cover one side or the other. Mm. Godfather covers the crime side, doesn't give you the cop side. Goodfellas gives you the crime side, no cop side. Training Day gives you the cop side. And they are the crime. Uh, but The Departed, you know, uh, it's the first time it, it gives us both sides of the story. And there's there's a betrayal aspect to it. And then this, I feel like, elevated that mm. for me. You know, I think that the betrayal and the story aspects there and the, and the departed were important to the movie. Uh, but the story they laid out here was for my money, more compelling. Mm. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, this, this was like, you know, the gripes that we kind of had with, with the departed was that some of the writing was a little lazy ish. 
Um, and I guess, you know, this movie is based on somewhat of a true story, but obviously they have to, for all the, the drama parts, they had to come up with that. And this was pretty highly stuff. fictionalized. Uh, uh mm-hmm. there are even small details like I, cause I wanted to, I wanted to see, I, I listened to an, uh, an episode of a podcast called like truth versus Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And they had an episode on American gangster and, you know, they, in the movie, they go over how Frank Lucas had a relationship with Bumpy Johnson that he learned under him for 15 years. And he was, uh, uh, like he was his driver from a young age and came up with him was his collector. Their, uh, their relationship was about a decade shorter than that. Uh, so like even, even a detail as minute as that, cause five years, that's enough to emphasize like, yeah, they were together. They knew each other, but 15 makes it he was his protege. Mm. He was his selected one. I see. Um, mm. Hmm, that's cool. Um, yeah, I was wondering, like, just at the beginning of the movie, I did see, like, based on a true story. You know, that popped up. It was part of the title card. And I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't know. That. I thought this was completely fiction. And, you know, probably a lot of it, you know, probably is or whatever. But, you know, so- somewhat based on true story. I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's always like a, I don't know, gives gives a movie like something else to it. It's like oh, yeah. this actually happened a little bit. Like obviously there's dramatized parts, whatever. But like midway through the movie, I kind of forgot about that. I kind of like forgot that it was real because I was just like so like into the story. And then like whenever the ending comes up and it's like it's like says all like factoids or like, you know, like he brought down three quarters of the police organization. And I'm like, oh, my God, wait a minute. This shit happened. Mm-hmm. Like at least like the big points. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like, Whoa. Like it was just kind of like a, a, a click. Another um, thing that's funny is, uh, this movie portrays him as getting out in like 1991, which would have had him locked up for like 20 years or something like that. Mm. Uh, he was for the events of this movie and for the time period they cover, he was only locked up for five. Uh, he later went back to jail, but, uh, did he like go back into what he was doing or did no, he, like, no, no, no. I, I can't, I, I, I don't remember exactly why he went back to jail, but I remember his defense attorney when he did was Richie Roberts, which is hilarious. That is um, interesting. Like maybe I guess like, and that's the thing. Every time I think of like a defense attorney for a criminal, like it's not usually that they're pleading not guilty. Or whatever. It's usually like they're pleading guilty and like they're just trying, trying to get them the best deal. Charge. Yeah, a, a better, a better deal or whatever. Um, and I, I'm assuming that's probably what what this was. I guess if if Richie Roberts is anything like, you know, the true Richie Roberts in real life, you know, he's uh he's not going to let him get off free. You know, he's he's mm-hmm. very by the book. And uh, but hmm. he was yeah. by the book. You know, to mm-hmm. to a degree. There are times in this movie where he takes he takes some takes some liberties, and I can mm, tell you for sure true. if we heard reports of police doing some of these things now, mm. ooh, buddy, uh, there'd true. there'd be problems, you know, like, uh, ooh, propping fair. a man propping a dead man up on a gurney and opening his eyes and acting like uh acting like he's okay and parading him in front of everybody else. That's a that's a rough one. That was that was one that made me go eek. Did I don't like about that. that. Kind of knocking out a taxi driver and uh, taking his cap. At least he gave him some some yeah, money. You know, like that one, that one. You know, you do what you got to uh, do. The dude wasn't giving up his cab. I'm a, I'm more all right with that. You know, like uh, <laughs> it, it's it's unethical, but it's not <laughs> not as unethical as some of the other things that happen <laughs> in this movie. And he he pays him for the cab ride, the cab fare. Like he's like, <laughs> I love that the captain or whatever, like the the guy who's kind of in charge is like, like. Yeah, like, well, for one, like, knock them out before you show them your badge next time. And then, and then two, like, don't tell me these things. Like, just do them. He's like, don't yeah. tell me. I, he um, said, I don't want to hear about this again. Yeah. He said, all right, sir, I won't do it. He said, no, 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 no. I didn't say I don't want you to do it. You do whatever you need to. I don't want to hear about it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, that shit was, that shit was very funny. And you know, one of my favorite aspects of this movie is, uh, that it feels along our 52 year journey through film. I don't think there's been a more obvious influence from the Godfather mm. and, uh, or a movie that kind of feels most akin to it. Like even the other organized crime movies, you know, Goodfellas, uh, Scarface, 
that we've done, like those were obviously going a different direction. Like they weren't trying to be good fellows, but they were definitely, I mean, it's mm. they're organized crime movies after, after Godfather. They're going to be influenced by the Godfather a little bit. Mm. This one felt like a mirror of, of the Godfather. Uh, mm. Not quite as good for me, but you know, if you recall, Godfather starts with a wedding. Uh, American Gangster here starts with a funeral. Ah. Towards the end of the movie, uh, you get a funeral from the Godfather. Towards the end of the movie here, you get a wedding with Frank Lucas. Hmm. And I feel like they kind of, like, it's depicting the fall of the Italian mafioso in New York. Hmm. So what better way to portray that than to flip the most classic Italian crime family movie on its head and kind of mirror it. I think it, I think they, I think there was definitely like a, 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 an attention paid to the Godfather uh, Mm. in order for this movie to be made. Yeah. I did love the, uh, the line after it's, uh, it's Richie and Frank. They're sitting in the, like an interrogation room after Frank or after Richie is like caught him, you know, and and he's talking about like what they're going to do, who he's going to snitch on, whatever. Um, and, and he was like talking about how like the Italians, like they, they hate someone like you, you know, like, or, or ever, like America, like they, they hate someone like you, you represent progress, you know, like, um, like this is no, no man has done what, what you've done in, in your shoes. You know, a black man has, has not done this before you represent progress. And, and Frank just said, you know, my man, you know, like he, I love like, uh, oh, I love like take it, take a shot every time Frank Lucas says my man, my man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Quite. Yeah. I think you'd, you'd be pretty drunk by the end of this movie. Um, my man. Uh, uh, he he hits a, he hits a few people with a my man, and they're and in completely different contexts too. Sometimes he means it. Sometimes he's like, "Oh, buddy, you don't know what you just did. <laughs> you just got yourself killed." Yeah. Uh, mm. And potentially the most badass scene in this movie. Uh, Idris Elba bursts into yes. that re- bursts you. into the restaurant mm. right and tells him, you know, Bumpy's not around anymore. I'm the landlord. You pay me 20%. And the entire time, from the moment Idris Elba walks into the door. And mm. yeah, that, that part too. But the part that oh. sets it up. When Idris Elba, uh. from the time Idris Elba walks in the door and starts letting him have it, Denzel Washington doesn't say a word. Idris Elba argues with himself for like oh. two, two and a half, three minutes without Denzel saying a word. He sits there. He just like keeps pouring the sugar, mm-hmm. which comes back around. And mm-hmm. I remember being like, he's pouring a lot of sugar in that coffee. Uh, Maybe that and, was how much life he had left mm-hmm. represented by the, the jar, you know, because I mean, yeah. at the end uh, was yeah, empty, man. was uh, put his, his 20% or whatever. Yeah, 20% it's not sustainable. 20% <laughs> is my profit, you know, mm. like uh, you. You can't do business like this. Bumpy Bumpy never did 20%. He's like, Bumpy not around anymore. And he was like, my man. Mm. So I was like, okay, okay. And then, you know, he he lays it out for his family there. You know, it's all about, it's all about family. It's all about uh, remembering where you come from, honesty, integrity. Then he's like, hold on one second. I'll be right back. (laughs) Walks, walks out the door, puts the gun to Idris Elba's forehead. And he's like, what? You're going to shoot me in front of all these And it yep. was like, oh, <laughs> you just walk okay. back in. And right before he, he dumped the sugar out of the thing, he put the jar next to him and he stuck his, took his money and put the 20% in his, uh, put the 20% in it and was like, all right. Now, what was I talking about when he mm-hmm. got back inside? And I was like, oh my fucking and God. His, yeah, his family was like, like, oh, like now I understand who we're dealing with. You know, he's yeah, like, like they were like, we were, we had our suspicions as to how, he had the resources that he's acquired and uh you know he i think at that point i can't remember if it's right after that he takes them to his cooking operation mm. or if it was right before that that he took them and sh- i think it was right after it but uh y- you know he uh they had their suspicions but then it's like okay so our our older brother's a he's, hard motherfucker yeah not not uh, to be messed with you don't mess with frank lucas and that like I was thinking like, damn, like so many people saw him do that. You know, like there were so many people around watching this happen, but like, what are they going to do? Like, 
they're not gonna they're not gonna fucking snitch they're not on, gonna rap. on Frank, you know, like no way. Like after they see that, like, yeah, no. Um uh, that, yeah, that's he, what's so that like that's what's so powerful about a move like that in a movie, you know. Hmm. Uh and <laughs> in a movie with a completely corrupt police department that's uh which I mean like definitely real. Plenty of very corrupt police departments, especially in the seventies. Uh hmm. It's the 70s NYPD and NYPD in many years since. But, you know, leaves all sorts of fingerprints behind, eyewitnesses everywhere. But, you know, all the eyewitness stuff, all of them saw him do that. And that move is not just a fuck Idris Elba. It's a y'all all saw that. Mm. You know what it is. <laughs> it's a, it, it was a warning. Like, if any of y'all want to fuck with it, this is what happens. Mm. Uh, and goddamn, was it hard as fuck. And uh, I thought Idris Elba's character, this movie was just fucking stacked, cast-wise. Every time someone else popped up, I was like, yo, yo, yo! Mm. Like, you know, we first get Idris Elba, then, like, shortly after that, you get Cuba Gooding Jr., and then a little mm. after that, you get Josh Brolin, and I was like, holy fucking shit. And, uh... You know, a little after that, she would tell Oja for, uh, I was like, Riza mm-hmm. of Wu Tang Clan. Mm. I was just like, oh my fucking god, I recognize every Ruby D. I recognize everyone in this fucking movie. Mm. And uh, yeah, this was, I mean, I'm I'm in it for my boy Denzel, but man, yeah, seeing all these people, other people come up was was just really cool. Uh, like all the. You know, and a lot of them were, were just in it for a little bit, you know, or not, not, not like too long. But it, it was it's just a night, like kind of like uh, in Training Day, like whenever like Snoop and Dr. Dre yeah. or like in like uh, Terry Crews, you know, shows up. It's kind of like, oh, like it was it was just kind of like a, a cool like, you know, they didn't have a big, super big impact on the movie. Yes. Or whatever. But they were but there. Like, yeah, they were there. And it's. Uh, yeah, it's, it um, is. It is pretty awesome. You know, and uh, one one thing I wanted to point out about Idris Elba here. And something I had to remind myself about this movie as it was going on is that it's from 2007. And it feels classic. It feels old. Mm. Uh, you know, and it is set in the 70s. So there's, uh, there's an obvious, they're, they're evoking that imagery, but it feels older. The film grain, everything mm. about it feels like it came from further back than 2007. This is only 15 years old. Damn. Uh, and, something I had to remind myself of as I was like, man, the Godfather obviously influenced this. And then I was like, 2007. The last season of the Sopranos was in 2007. The wire was going on in 2007. I think Ridley Scott, who now has a working relationship with HBO and is clearly not beneath doing series for HBO took a grave degree of influence from The Sopranos and mm. The Wire, specifically The Wire. Um, I've never seen The Wire. Um, that's but, It's a really good one. Uh, but Idris Elba has a character in The Wire, uh, a crime boss named mm. Stringer Bell, uh, one, of the, one of the main characters in the series for several seasons. Um, and he plays a much more savvy crime boss. So it was so funny to see him the opposite. That's uh, cool. With a complete lack of savvy, he's he he definitely takes more after Frank Lucas in the series, um, mm. but it's it was just so interesting to see and uh, yeah, I was gonna say when I came into this podcast, this movie was like a perfect blend of The Godfather and The Wire with just a dash of The Sopranos feel every time they went to like Jersey, um, mm. but uh, yeah, like boop, 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 if you watch The Wire, you'll go. Oh yeah, like hmm. there's a, there's definitely something at play here in terms of an influence. I think there's a is that Mandela like uh, or does it just look like okay bumpy? I, I like I was looking at the uh, like these pictures and I'm like, was that just like a I don't know? Just well, what's funny in that moment too is that uh, whenever he's showing those pictures to his girl, she's like, "Who's that?" And he goes, "That's Martin Luther King," hmm. and she's like. No, it's not. <laughs> and he's like, I, and I thought it was a really interesting line. I was like, okay, it sounds like there are certain things in this movie that I was like, okay, I think they're really going for like the, this was one of the 
true moments. This is one of the things they actually said. I'd be willing to bet Frank Lucas at one point said that Bumpy Johnson was like Martin Luther King to him. Mm. So they were like, let's figure out a way to show that impact. Mm. And that line kind of fell flat for me where he was like, you know, he was, he was the same to me. Mm. Uh, I was like, all right. Um, I mean, they, they were handing out turkeys, you know, to, to the people out there. And, and, you know, Frank hey, does the same thing. Denzel uh, was handing out the turkeys. Mm. Bumpy was That's tossing true. those turkeys. Hold the fucking phone for a second. People are hurting. That's if true. You're tossing a 14 pound a frozen turkey. Frozen too? turkey. At that, yeah. Like that's like, I mean, imagine you're <laughs> tossing bowling that. balls out of the back of a fucking truck. <laughs> I did not think about that. And so, wow. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> no, obviously it's a movie and they're going for the whole Robin Hood of Harlem thing. And, uh, mm. Bumpy Johnson is a really interesting historical figure that there's been several adaptations of on screen. Uh, mm. Lawrence Fishburne has played him a couple times. Uh, uh, currently in a series called The Godfather of Harlem, uh, Forrest Whitaker plays Bumpy Johnson, the main mm. character, the lead in that. Um, so I, I'm definitely going to familiarize myself with that with that story more uh, mm. after this movie. I want I want to learn more about that. And uh, I think uh, I'm going to definitely go to Godfather of Harlem on Hulu after this and check out Forrest Whitaker's portrayal of Bumpy. I was uh, was thinking of some other uh, uh, <laughs> some other awards to give this movie. And man, I, I like every outfit that Denzel had, like that, like just Denzel's costume design was, hey, was awesome. Denzel's costumes were fire, um, right? You know, you got the, the classic, you know, off the racket JC Penny look, you know, he's trying to sell the, you know, the loudest man in the room is the weakest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, so you got to keep it low key. And whenever his wife gets him that chinchilla coat, he's like, shit, I got to wear this. Don't I mm-hmm. to make my wife happy. And he wears it ringside to Ali versus Frazier. Which was sick. Just a cool part of the movie. Oh, yeah. Like, I loved how, like, they were, like, Vietnam. Like, they were, like, Ali versus Frazier. All these major things. The war on drugs being introduced. Mm. Uh, like, every, like, they were, like, this is a, this is a historical thing. We are giving you actual events. Um, and, you know, that, at that at that boxing match where he's sitting in front of the Don mm. of New York, closer seats to ringside than the Don of New York for the mm-hmm. Italian mob, so Richie takes notice and is like, "Hey, who's that?" Mm. And man, he would have been just fine if he didn't have to wear chinchilla. Mm-hmm. They might have been like, "Oh, who's that dude?" But if he what? was dressed down like he usually is. He doesn't look as uh as prominent, you know. And it wasn't so he, wasn't he until uh, what was that his character's name the uh the Godfather like it uh like Richie's like he chose his got like uh oh, oh Don uh oh Carado Catano mm. um Dom Catano he, like it doesn't like he doesn't realize that Frank's at the top until like the threat is made against him and he's like. Like you don't mess with Frank, and he or like uh or whatever. Well, at first he's like, like he he makes a guess as like it's some Italian mobster, right? Like or like throwing it out there, like uh you're 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 whatever. And then he's like, no, you don't mess with Frank. And he's like, hmm, oh. interesting. And then the next you just see him post his picture up on top of the billboard or like their their uh. Oh yeah, because he and, starts out on the side. You know, mm-hmm. and Richie lays it out before his own little investigative unit. He's like, Frank Lucas. He's like, here's why we need to be interested in this guy. All right. He shook hands with Joe Lewis. He had closer seats ringside than Dom Catano. Like, there's something going on here. Uh, and they were, and, they, and then he was like, but here's the thing. I don't think we're after Lucas. I think we're after whoever Lucas is working for. Mm. Uh, and I think. There's no uh, middleman there. That's whoever is bringing it directly from the source. Um, <laughs> I guess the middleman was the army, technically. I guess if if there is a middleman, but like, how are you going to go after the army? Um, hey, and this is a this is a real thing. 
as as portrayed in the as portrayed in the movie, the epidemic, the heroin epidemic amongst uh, soldiers in Vietnam and later in America, mm. uh, or concurrently in America, they would use soldiers' body bags. Damn. To transfer heroin. That's crazy. I guess they know they're coming back to the U.S. Yeah, like, I mean, well, like it was like it geez. it as a scum of the earth crime boss thing to do and crazy intelligent and ultimately some of the most unethical shit i've ever heard of in my life genius shit the only fault in that plan is that war ends you had to know this shit couldn't work forever that's right yeah i remember like whenever he's hearing on the news like ceasefire like war war is war is ending he's like What's going on? Like, yeah, he's like, fuck. Like, what, what are you, what? You're not going to be doing, like, he's like, no, we're going home, you know? Like, yeah, we get to go home now. Yay. And he's like, what are you talking? Like, no, I need 200 kilos in the air now. And he's like, or whatever. Um, yeah, that, oh man, that was, man, gosh. I mean, yeah. You told, you told very, me I, I would have peace of mind. Mm. <laughs> uh, you promised me peace of mind. Oh. Love that, uh, that's $25,000 alpaca. You blot that shit. And even, uh, I mean, that's how, isn't that like the 200 kilo? That's how they ended up catching them or like following the, the transport. Uh, they, they, uh, was it that shipment or was, uh, because Richie eventually goes to like the, the base and like find, you know, unzips the, the body bags and stuff. And, Um. Oh yeah. Um. Like whenever uh, Richie eventually goes to the airport, uh, like looks through the bags, and and then they eventually like scope it out. They sit there for the night, and they're like, "Oh, that's got to be the dope. We got to follow it, or whatever." Yeah. Um. And I mean that like whenever that was all clicking. Oh, and the the absolute scumbag. Like uh, was it a lawyer? Maybe like in some government agent or like uh. Someone who was talking to Richie, like, you gotta stop this, like, right now. Like, uh, there's no way that a black man could be doing what the Italian mob has been doing for, for blah, blah, blah. Or, like, and then, like, just the slurs that he was throwing out. Like, I mean, like. Oh, yeah, man. Like, that's what's interesting, too, is that Frank Lucas took full advantage of the fact that, you know, people would view him as lesser. Mm. He was like, hey, I know racism in a weird way will be working in my favor, quote unquote, in mm. terms of them looking for who's in charge here. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they weren't, they, yeah. they weren't even looking at him because like, how could that even be possible? Man. Yeah. I mean, he, he represented progress, you know, he, that, I mean, Richie knew it, you know, he, and he, he even put him on the side first, you know, I think Richie, you know, I guess we didn't really see any, any prejudices that he had. He didn't really seem, you know, too prejudiced or whatever, but, but I mean, even him, you know, just the way that the times were, he put him immediately to the side, like, no, like at the bottom too, like bottom, like just over there, even shaking hands with those people, even having those close receipts, you know, he's like, still going to put him over. No, no way he could be up at the top, but, uh, yeah, he's like, and he's like, I think we're looking for whoever Lucas is working for. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. but I'll tell you one thing that the movie did ended up doing right but could have gone sorely south had they handled it any other way was uh, the rollover at the end on Frank Lucas's part. Uh, Mm. You haven't finished The Sopranos, right? Mm -mm. I'll confidently tell you, and they don't make any allusions to it, that Tony rats to get out of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but, But can you imagine... If the show ended with Tony rolling on everybody, it makes you go, mm. man, fuck. I don't know. Uh, the only thing that saves mm. it is that he's ratting on corrupt cops. If he was ratting on like business associates, then it's like, 
man, I don't know. That feels like a like as the main character of our movie, mm. the American gangster. You don't rat. I mean, he said it though. He's like those Italian guys. Like, what the fuck have they done for me? You know, or like whatever. He's like, I'll give, I'll give you whoever. I don't, I don't care. He's like, um, which, which was kind of, kind of funny, but, but Richie, he was after the cops. You know, he was after the police. That, that's who he he was after. And, and, uh, and that's that's why I was like, okay, I'll take that. Mm. You know, I'll take that rollover. Mm. Like, that's something that is benefiting nobody. True. Um, corrupt police. That's that's. You take yeah. I guess you take that out should the crime. Be priority. Yeah, you take out the crime, and you know someone's just gonna take their spot. You know, you know, and uh, someone's just gonna fill in that role. Crime will always be crime, but if you stop it from the source, you know, you stop like the just allowing cops to look the other way or the Josh or, Rollins. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, man. At least at least he got his uh, his car exploded, and, and I guess ultimately, you know. He knew he was done. Uh, he, he he knew. And uh, does hey. he turn the gun upwards in this movie? Mm-hmm. Okay, I mm-hmm. thought so. I could I couldn't remember. Yeah, I outside in the, in his backyard, he like yeah, he was yeah. having like a drink or something through the window. You see yeah. you see the person cleaning. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I couldn't I couldn't remember. I yeah. was like uh, I, I I rewatched the first half of this movie last night and then fell asleep. Mm. So the uh, the ending I I watched four days ago or something mm. like that. But yeah, uh, he was like sitting in in, in like on a chair or something. He had like a coffee or like a tea or something like on the chair and he stood up and it spilled like all over like everything. And like from mm. that moment, I'm like, Oh, all right, this dude. Yeah. He's, he's not living too much longer. He's, he's about to about yeah. to end it. Um, and I mean, detective Trupo, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, I don't know. It, it was so cool. Like, uh, seeing, like Denzel and, and Russell Crowe, like whenever they were, they were working together, like they were in like the office, you know, and like they're actually smiling, you know, and like not like just like enemies or whatever. They're just like truly working together as, as partners there at the end. And like, hey, and, you know, I re- like I was really satisfied by the end of this movie. Hmm. Um, The whole. Like 1991, he's been in prison a while. Richie greets him when he gets out. It's a whole new world to Frank. You know, time has passed. There's. Hmm. He needs someone he's familiar with to ease him back into the world. And Richie's there, mm-hmm. and I thought that I thought that was a sweet way to end the movie. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, mm-hmm. why they call this Frederick Douglass Street or whatever. Now he's like, this was all me. Or this whatever. was one sixteenth. He's, like, he's like one phone call, and I'm backed into everything I want to do or everything that I was doing. And then he, he's like, ah, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. Uh, to you, you know, and like seeing like I guess the shoe brand maybe was supposed to be like Nike or something like, uh, I like just showing him like new, you know, like he's like, what's that? And he's like, Oh, new shoe company. You get a hundred dollars per pair of shoes, at least, you know, minimum or something, you know, just showing him like the new things of the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's like, you know, I, I, I wasn't ever going to let you starve Frank, you know, or whatever. He's like, well, obviously you're, you haven't been, you know, you, you haven't been starving. You know, he's like, just t- took like a, a punch, punched his gut a little bit, you know, like he was, uh, Oh, I- and there's also the fact that I think there's this cool payoff for Richie at the end where he's seen some character development mm. over the course of the movie. Uh, you know, you see him grinding to become a lawyer in the first first part of the movie. You see that he passed his bar exam. You see that he's a, he's an extremely good, genuinely good cop with mm. right right principles on most occasions. You know, mm-hmm. when it's your partner that gets into some shit, there's there's some blending of the I did forget about that yeah. the loyalties you know mm-hmm. I mean I guess he was just your thrown homie, into that situation too yeah he was thrown into it he came mm-hmm. through and he was like fuck I see what happened here you're fucking kidding me dude mm-hmm. like and boy did his partner look bad whenever they were on the whenever they were in the back of the ambulance after yeah. that and he was like man he, he tried to shoot tried to kill a cop. I had to do it. And he's like drooling all over himself. And he's like, you know what it is? I had to do it. I had to do it. You know, I was doing what you said, you know, Mm. staking out, investigating, getting all the facts. And I was like, oh, God, this Mm. poor guy. And he was like, the guy didn't try to kill a cop. Guy tried to kill a junkie who was trying to kill him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fucking shot at a cop. He jumped out of the ambulance. You know, he couldn't. He was a. and then I, I forgot how did he just like did we see him in between whenever he jumped out of the ambulance and when he ended up dying or like was it just like 
no, later on. That he was, was that, that was that for him. That yeah. was like the there was a breaking point that I think happens when he finds the million dollars and they turn it in where he was like, fuck it, man. No one wants to work with me anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. no one wants to work for me anymore, work with me anymore. And I'm out $500,000. Mm. Uh, and I like that Richie addresses it later on. Like they go the two directions you go after that. Mm. One of them hit rock bottom. The other one, whenever he's confronted, like, you really turned in a million dollars? He's like, yep, think about it every day. Maybe I shouldn't have. I could be literally anywhere else, but <laughs> hey, I'm here. So, uh-huh. uh, And Frank even asked him, he's like, would you do it again? I'm going to offer it to you right now. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll put the car there. You, you have it all. And he's like, it's not what I want. Not what I want, Frank. Uh, not doing it. Um, yeah, so by, by the end of this movie, I'll say confidently he's my favorite cop character we've had so far Hmm. yeah uh you know like we've had i think the 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 one who might give him a run for his money is ethan hawk in training day that was a that was a strong character but i feel like i got to i got to like and see a development in richie more you know it it covers a much greater period of time Hmm. there's there's more to see there and you know at the end of this movie he's like it looks like you ain't been you ain't been starving you know like uh you ain't hungry like He's seen success. Mm-hmm. His time struggling and being a deadbeat cop for a while, they're done. He's a lawyer now who's, who's making money, looking looking good, fat and happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and he's, he's living the good life, you know, and I think that's I think that's good. Proud of himself, too. You know, he wore that that's the star of David proudly, you know, out out outside of his his suit yes, afterwards. Absolutely. Now. And, uh, yeah. So he's very, I, I very happy. About yeah. that. He was very happy where he was um, at the end there, which which was which was good to see. And yeah, he got, he got, I forgot towards mm. the end of the movie, he gets hit with a couple like Jewish slur, Jewish yeah. slurs to anti-Semitic slurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, one I didn't even know of. Uh, and I had to like, look it up. I assumed it was a slur just the way it was, the way said. he reacted. And then yeah. I, I like, I'm like, Oh damn. Yeah. Just, yeah. That I was like, but... yeesh. Okay. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, it was really cool to see him to to see him embrace there at embrace that there at the end that he the star of David around his mm-hmm. around his neck. It's a a moment of self fulfillment, kind of like like comfortable with who I am, comfortable with everything mm. that's happened, and now I'm here. So yeah, I mean his his Thanksgiving dinner, like I love how it showed like Frank's feast with his family, and then it cuts to to Richie oh, in his apartment like with a, like the the chips on the turkey sandwich or whatever crush it down and yeah and eat it um the fucking like he, i mean the the straight up divorced dad energy yeah. this man was taking in, in his apartment the uh <laughs> oh man he but, sees uh, a i love the, the straight up time. like norman rockwell painting that mm. was denzel's family dinner like the mm. you've seen you've seen that like the the actual painting the american mm. gothic uh sort of sort of vibe uh, mm-hmm. mm. yeah, I guess I, uh, for, for awards for this, um, for actor, I put Denzel as Frank Lucas down here. Uh, well-deserved. I put Russell Crowe as Richie and, and supporting actor, um, here. And that, that does fill up our supporting actors nominations now. So if we do have another one, we will have to eliminate some. We'll have to cut. Um, which and is I a- mean, first, first out for me, I guess I'll save it. For, for when the time comes, but, uh, yeah, those two, <laughs> but, uh, um, and I also put in uh supporting actress, I put, uh, Ruby D as mama Lucas. In yeah. Her. I she think, had a strong scene in this, a yes. few strong scenes in this movie. Like, uh, whenever she like confronts Frank and was like, you know, like they're going to leave you if you keep doing this, you know, like they're your brothers, they I'm going to do anything you. for you. And then, yeah. And then she like Smacks very hard him. for her to say that, like, I'll leave you, you know, like she, like, breaks like in the middle of like her saying that and like um like that moment whenever she like gets the house for the first time and sees like the furniture that he like made for her mm-hmm. it's like oh it's just, this is just so perfect and like she's like I, I turned a blind eye you know i didn't want to think about it i didn't want you to have to lie to me um but like it's too too gone and like i remember like that i don't know that moment like i feel like she deserves a nom there oh yeah um, definitely ruby d for that best supporting actress nod i'd say that's I'd say that's fair for sure. I guess set design. I mean, it is just New York and Jersey. I guess we got a little bit of Vietnam. We got a, 
We got uh, some, I mean, but they, they created the atmosphere really effectively. You know, it's, it's 2007 in real life. It never feels like 2007 mm. in, in the yeah, atmosphere yeah. they've created. Uh, especially the, like they create the seventies, the seventies aesthetic, uh, pretty, mm. pretty well. Uh, they capture that pretty effectively. I guess. Any, I mean, uh, the house, that shit where mm. that part where the dude's touching up on, uh, their cousin's girl and he shoots him in the knee. Denzel walks over, smacks the shit out of him and then slams the <laughs> piano on his head seven times, turns around and goes, everybody get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. That's it. Go home. That is alpaca. You dab. You do not wipe. What the fuck are you doing? You know, like, uh, that's that $25,000 alpaca. <laughs> you blot that shit. Mm. Blot. That's right. That's what you blot that shit. Mm. <laughs> Man, I think, uh, you thinking any writing or, or directing um, here? Hey, Ridley Scott's um, getting another yeah, director nod for American Gangster. That's what I was uh, you know, that'll be his second nod of the uh, of the decade after Gladiator, and I don't think those will be going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have any noms for writing yet. Um, that'll be one that we'll have to. Well, I think we'll have to go back over and go. All right, yeah, these would be the noms. Uh, like I think if there, I think if there's anyone that coming straight off of it, I'm perfectly good including it. It would be American Gangster, mm. uh, Gladiator, American Gangster, Kill Bill. Uh, I think they'd have to be there, you know. Mm. Um, and oh, we yeah. got we got a few few spots left for the decade, a couple spots left for the decade. So uh, mm. we shall we shall see, but uh. Yeah, only it. only two movies left in the decade after this one, which is mm-hmm. uh, man. Then we're on the 2010s. We're getting real close to the end of the year, huh? We're getting there. Oh yeah, we're all. It's, I'm uh I'm seven years old right now, and by the time of American Gangster, you know we're we're getting <laughs> we're we're getting there. Um, I was seven years old as well. That's that's I, I it it has been interesting the turn the turning point from movies that were like. You know, like back in the seventies when we were covering a Clockwork Orange and uh, Apocalypse <laughs> Now and shit. Like I'm like, I have z- very vague familiarity with these movies. Mm. Uh, these I've literally grown up with. Mm-hmm. I've heard about American Gangster pretty much since I was seven. Uh, yeah, like the, the fucking album such. that was released alongside this mm. this movie, uh, Jay Z. Mm. Mm. Uh, American Gangster. Uh, there's a song called "Falling" that, like, my I used to listen to all the time with my dad in his car. <laughs> I remember it was uh, that shit was so much fun. But yeah, American mm. Gangster, 2007, released by Jay Z. Whole bunch of fucking songs on there that just bang. And uh, yeah, released alongside this movie, got a song called "Blue Magic." Mm, that's um, cool. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's pretty cool. American Dreaming. Hmm. Yeah, that shit. I should slap. I should slap. But uh, feel like I'm falling. That hmm. shit. Bang. But yeah, this shit fun as fuck. Super good movie. Um, hmm. man, it's gonna do pretty well in these here ratings. If, if I had true. to guess, so. Man, and for a three-hour movie for enjoyment for it, like that's the thing. If it's a three-hour movie and it doesn't feel like a three-hour movie. You're enjoying it, um, like it's. Yeah, I was in. Effective. I was in on this story. Um, I guess maybe like, I don't know. Like there were no really slow parts. I guess. Um, like I'm trying to think of like a slow part of the movie, but like. No, yeah, really, like I think everything it, was it kept me for and, the most part. Yeah. Uh, if there was any anything that uh, I don't know that there was anything that I'd be like, you don't need that. And it's interesting because we watched the extended cut of the movie. Hmm we watched the movie that had 20 extra minutes. Um, I guess there are scenes that were cut for the theatrical cut and I couldn't tell you where they would fit in. Yeah. I Um, I have no idea. hmm, Interesting. I forgot that we watched the extended cut. Um, Wow. Yeah. I I wonder what 20 minutes were cut out. That's interesting. Um, I think I, I also listened to uh, some, some, something where I don't think the scene where he goes to the morgue and confirms his partner's dead body was in the first one. Mm-hmm. 
than the original cut. I think the original cut just featured him jumping out of the ambulance and going. Uh, because it does become pretty inconsequential other than uh, advancing the character for Richie being like, yeah, that's him. Mm. Like, fuck, this is this is the life, huh? Mm. Like, it's just kind of like it it boosts up how good Richie's doing compared to what it can do to a person. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I for, Yeah, man, I guess watch the extended version didn't even realize it until until you did say it again so i mean yeah there there are 20 minutes that are gone from the original cut of this movie which is really interesting i i like i have no idea where you pull those 20 minutes from and i have a feeling if i watch a shortened cut of this movie without those 20 minutes i feel maybe a little shortchanged because i don't know what you take from it i don't know how you take something without it kind of picking stuff out that kind of tears it apart a little bit. I don't think it can be nearly as fulfilling that way. Hmm. I guess uh, I was trying to trying to find what what were cut out. It looks like um, a flashback with Frank Frank Lucas and Bumpy on on the boardwalk. So I guess maybe oh, when he was first scene. Oh, okay, interesting. Uh, short scene showing Richie Roberts acquiring office space for his new narcotics task. Oh, whenever they're going through the building for the first time, I guess. And he's like, be careful with that. That's, that's the artisan glass, blah, 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 or whatever, maybe. Uh, whenever like they get the building that they, like their operations right. is in. Oh, the flashback with, with Bumpy is when he's playing like, with, the dog. with his dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's what I thought. Uh, nighttime scene where Roberts and his team tail a drug pusher with a stash of blue magic to an auto body shop next morning. Spearman strikes a deal with the shop owner, Scott, over the phone, which leads up to... Wait, what? Them scouting that that car, like, uh, that car place where eventually they put the 20000 in, like, whenever they're scouting it out. That was interesting. I felt like that was, like, kind of crucial there. Yeah, that feels um, like a very big part of the movie. Hmm. In the Bronx, right after Spearman drops off Roberts and informs him that he'll circle the block, the extended scene takes place where Roberts sees both Scott take off and his Jeep and Spearman getting blocked by a yeah, broken down truck, unable to reach Roberts. Interesting. Okay. After Christmas visit with Charlie Williams, there's an extended scene with Frank and Ava back at their home where Frank reminisces how Bumpy gradually stayed more and more at home. Um, oh, okay. I, rem- I-, I remember that where he's like, yeah. uh, should we go out tonight or, or whatever? Yeah. Um, and then they eventually arrive. He gets a little drunk or something like that. And he's like, we should go out or, or whatever. Sure. And then they get, oh, interesting. So they, I guess they just, went out, you know, in the movie, no, no, like lead up to that. No and deliberation then, on it. Um, where Lucas upon release from jail is picked up by Roberts and the two make their way towards the intersection. That was extended. Interesting. That wasn't so in the movie. Oh, so the movie for other people just ends with a five minute montage of him ratting. What? Wow. Man, I'm really glad. So it ends just with those like title cards, I guess. Like, yeah. With wow, I'm glad we watched the extended version because that that scene was like oh, that was like kind of what tied it all together almost. Like it was like yeah, I feel I'm really glad we watched the extended version because I would have reached the ending of this and gone, but huh. okay, you know, like uh, wow. Hmm. For enjoyment, I'm like really, really high on it. I don't know if it's in the five caliber with these other, with some other five across the board movies. Mm. Um, it's it's probably on Goodfellas level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I'd say this is a four point nine out of five in terms of my enjoyment of it. Love me some Denzel every time he's on screen, and and man, he had a lot of screen time here. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there. I, I love this movie. This was this was awesome. Like a a crime movie that was all crime. Like there wasn't like, I mean, it was like I guess that. And you got to see the law side mm-hmm. in a way that was actually compelling. That wasn't like get back to the other shit. Like because that's kind of what I find myself in those in those movies or in the shows whenever we go to what the cops are doing. I don't give a fuck what the cops are doing, but if you can keep me in it the way they did mm. here, I'm there for it. Make a character of, of someone mm. on the other side. Make it actually compelling 
Mm. Like, I feel like that's something that the, the, the departed kind of mm. lost sight of. Like the cop side of the story was interesting and the, the betrayal stuff was interesting, but there wasn't some, like, I care more about Richie than I do Billy. Mm. Oh yeah. Uh, they do something more effective there with the character. Yeah. I mean, even like, like whenever they're, at, they have their board down, they're like, nah, like Richie's like, we got to start over. You know, he's like, we we don't have like really anything. We, we don't have a single piece of street. evidence on any of these like, guys. Got to start from the street. And like that was like them going out taking pictures of everybody was like was cool. You got to like, even though it was like see, the cop side of it, like it was mainly showing the cr- criminal operation, like, yeah, the operation and stuff. And, yeah, it uh, was really interesting, you know. And I think it was cool to see that. Uh, it was also really interesting that Frank Lucas kind of banked on never being thought of. Mm. Because as soon as he was thought of, boy, oh boy, did shit fall into place fast. It was like, oh, I see. He's been, okay, his whole family moves up from from North Carolina. And now all of a sudden, they're Mm. spread across the five boroughs Mm. with a bunch of different jobs, opening their own businesses. I mean, that's Uh, how he lived his life, though. Like, they even, like... Uh, whenever Richie was like going through the day, of the life of, of Frank, you know, he's like, um, he does this every morning. He eats breakfast by himself. Then he go like, uh, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't takes sound his, like the life of a mom dope, to man. church every Sunday goes to, to Bumpy's yeah, grave Bumpy's and grave. replaces the flowers every Sunday, mm-hmm. no matter what. Like he was living his life, you know, like no one would pay attention to him or no one could think, you know, for one, he's a black man. And like they're not going to think it's him in the first place because of just who he is, and then the way he lives his life is like, how how could he be doing all of this in his in his spare time, whatever? Um, but it's just he's answered to you know people answer to him. He just makes the makes the calls, you know. He just well, and in that moment after when it's like it's twenty five thousand dollar alpaca, you blot that shit. Mm. Right after that, he turns around and he goes, mm. nobody talk to me. If you got anything to say to me, you go to Huey. Huey will talk to me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, oh, man! Yeah, he he was very smart in the way he uh, he organized his his uh, his group and everything and his operations. Very straight to the source, you know. He brought in a hundred percent pure dope, you know. And in in that game, you know, can't really beat the the street dope that was that was you know out there at the time was was pretty mm. crappy stuff. Um, Blue Magic, you know. Even he was like, "It's my product," you know. I, I like copyright uh you're, you're taking my product and and uh you're defaming it you know i i can't have that um mm. and uh you gotta like call it something else call it call it red magic for all i care or whatever um and that's copyright infringement mm-hmm. that that was that was funny um but man oh man but like for this genre rating mm. as a biographical crime drama That might be, that might be another five out of five, buddy. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking so. I, I mean, when I'm gonna like recommend crime movies to people, um, this is top three. Yeah, like, like I never, like I've never watched this movie. Right, never have I heard a. If there's three crime movies you need to watch, it's Godfather, Goodfellas, and American Gangster. That's my three. Yep. There's no doubt. Yeah, no, it's just that's how it is. Yeah. I mean and, and they're they're both five respect all fives respectively. And this yeah, this lots in right with it. I mean there's this is required viewing if you want to know crime film. Like this is I don't know. I, there's no other way to say it, I don't think. Like it's just I don't think you, so either. This, like, this is with those other movies. And uh, you know, but, interesting that it's like kind of a mirror image of of Godfather. Um, and the like, and it's almost even out. there's the Godfather is more about trying to maintain the power while we watch Frank Lucas's rise to it and how he maintains it after that. Mm. Like him having to go to the efforts and like go to Vietnam. Mm. We're going to the jungle, man. Well, I'm already in the jungle. What the fuck are you talking about? No, I'm talking about this. I'm talking about I'm talking about mosquitoes that'll kill your ass. I'm talking about tigers. Talking about mm-hmm. Viet Cong. Mm. Uh, and he's like, "Come on, we're going to the jungle." And he's like, "All right, fine, fuck, we going to the jungle." And uh, 
when they get out there and he makes the deal with the dude and uh there's like, another my man right there when he makes man. the deal and that was some really really cool fucking crime shit mm. like i find few scenes from our crime protagonists that are quite as cool and in the thick of it as mm. frank lucas doing that mm. um that's pretty fucking awesome mm. uh and then to get the other side of it with Richie Roberts just puts a little cherry on top. You mm. know, like it, it was just a little extra for you. Like you could have made a whole movie just Frank Lucas's side of the story. And it would have been good. Mm-hmm. But taking Richie Roberts' side of the story and having Russell Crowe portray him on that side, it brings it all together. So I think this genre, it's it's got to be a five out of five. And then if we're talking critically as a film... Performances. That's another really high rating, my guy. The performances were amazing. It was shot pretty amazing. I mean, I guess not a visually beautiful film, not to say, but like, you know, it's showing the slums of, of New York and Jersey, but like for what it was, it was showing was very, you it know, was shot really well shot. I remember I'll like say, there was some one thing that I was thinking about mm. as I was watching this. And it's that this is the dude who did Blade Runner and Gladiator. Mm. two of some of our most visually pleasing movies so far so i was like i'm gonna try and see that this is the same dude who made it and there are some shots set up where you're like oh this is dope there's a Mm. that scene where he's walking into that meeting in the jungle with with the with the top dog out there and the camera pans to behind the dude who's sitting on the ground and it shows Denzel in the doorway and it's just his silhouette. Mm. Ooh, it looks fucking good. Mm. And, uh, and the way they shoot those close-ups of people and, and at points are really effective. Um, the lighting's always really, uh, he's got Ridley Scott's got a monochromatic thing going on where he always likes to, it's all blue. It's all green. It's all orange. He's always got, he's always got something. Uh, that kind of makes the whole thing feel the same with each shot. Yeah, look, and, there was uh, one shot where I remember that someone was like taking a picture, like for for you know all the pictures they were developing. But then like it, it snapped and it showed like the black and white, and then it like zoomed through the camera and then like went into like what like I like I guess it's kind of hard to explain a little bit, but like it transitioned just from the picture into like. Actually, the camera what, like filming what was that in and the like picture. yeah, and, like it happening or whatever. Like went from black and white and then into color and like show like I don't know. It was just yeah. like there were a lot of just like really I don't know. It was cool choices. Like even and like, there are a lot of really cool. It's it's one of those movies that's not gonna you know like we I remember King Kong knocked me on my ass visually and it's because of those big epic visual effects shots and uh, mm. those those pieces with a. Uh, Main, main, main chick walking down the street and her facing off with King mm-hmm. Kong there at the end. Like those shots are awesome. This is, like I said, I see the influence deeply from Francis Ford Coppola's Godfather mm-hmm. and, uh, e- even Apocalypse Now. I think there's, there's a degree of, uh, influence there. So I, and I think the soundtrack was really effective. It's not one that dropped my jaw or anything mm-hmm. at multiple points. Um, incredibly well performed Uh, i don't think there's a weak spot in this movie in terms of eh, that could have been better Mm -hmm. um like i felt that in like scarface there was always there was a few performances in that where i was like okay Mm. you know i'm not getting that here um and i mean just looking at our other film scores here you know we have king kong gladiator um at, at the 485 um, Train Spotting, another movie, you know, directed by him as well, like up in there. Um, or no, or or no, sorry, I'm getting movies mixed up. Um, oh, next week's movie. yeah, next week, my bad. Um, but no, you're cool. Um, I, I I mean, I don't know if it's quite up to the Godfather, Shawshank, and you know Raiders, Shining. I don't know if it's if it's four nine, but like. I don't. Th- I think it. It's kind of made better than, than the four eights. 
I feel oh, I feel I, like I put it above all of all of these movies here. Forrest Gump, Truman Show, Goodwill Hunting, Dead Poets, and that. I, I feel like this is this. I is think four eight five is kind of where it's living. Yeah, um, I think that's the company right there. And I mean, it makes sense. Like we said, Gladiator at a four eight five. Um, I'd say this was made every bit as well as the Gladiator, and in a. Uh... <laughs> That's pretty cool. It uh, the average it ends up tying with Goodfellas. Um, nice ends up tying it uh, right there, right below the Matrix, but right above Forrest Gump and, and King Kong, um, on average, uh, which 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 is pretty cool. Um, averages it out to a four point nine two out of five stars mm-hmm. on the old Penny Bloom film scale. If you're taking this to like uh, I don't know, fucking Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> it's like what I guess fucking ninety six. Mm. 98? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty high up there. I mean, and I think deserving so. It definitely deserves it. Um, within these 485s, where where do we place it? Um, I personally go... Ooh, that might be the top of 485. Yeah. Yeah, like the other movies here, like I, I think I'm putting it above Gladiator and Goodfellas, you know. The Matrix, I mean, as a film, you know, I guess, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's up there with King Kong and Jurassic Park. Like it's, it's up. I there. think it is. Like I, th- I think the the floor for me is right below Jurassic Park, mm. uh, below Jurassic Park, above the Matrix. Um. Yeah, I think these movies are just so visually pretty. As well, that that maybe that's just what gives them the little bump above. And a little one. bit more fun. Um, yeah. So I mean, you I, know, like uh, there's there's a certain enjoyment thing coming into play there with those. Those were both, I think, five out of five enjoyments. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't know how I can comfortably go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, American Gangster. And I guess out of our enjoyment, out of these fives, out of the fourteen movies that we have, and five out of five enjoyments for, um. Where does it lie here? And we did give it a five out of five enjoyment. Did we? Er, I think we hit it with a four nine. Four nine. Sorry. Yes, that is. Now you're cool. I guess. So. I think uh, a little I, easier to. Now uh, that's hard. I guess it ties you know, it with I, with Goodfellas again. Goodfellas. Mm. I think it did it tie Goodfellas in every category. Let's see. Yeah. Genre was also a a five. Also a five. So yeah, I guess yeah, it tied in every category. Mm-hmm. Never would have seen that coming. Never would have I seen guess that which coming, one do you but... prefer? Goodfellas or American Gangster? That's me. It's my boy. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna watch American Gangster before I watch Goodfellas. Um that's fair. But it's it's you know, not I think it's not that's what's interesting off. is that if I'm going if I'm going performances mm. I think I want Denzel and Russell Crowe in American Gangster before I want Bob De Niro, Ray Liotta. If I'm going for a mob movie, though, you know, and that's that's what that's the differentiation here is that American Gangster is not a mob movie. It is a crime movie and a crime family movie, but it's not a mob movie. True. So uh, I think uh, I think I go to them for different reasons, mm. but I do I do think that on any given day, I. I personally would probably watch Goodfellas simply for the length. Mm. But American Gangster. True. I think I enjoyed it. Mm. Just barely more. You know, like if I if I had three hours to spare all the time, I'm turning on American Gangster. I mean, um, I'll, uh, I'm glad I'm I'm getting more Denzel movies in my in my repertoire. This one is definitely a a nice addition to the list here. And uh Man, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I like this movie. This, this was a, a very good one to hit. You know, I, we're getting like to movies that, you know, I, I've either I've seen it and I know of the movie very well, or like I've never seen it and I've always wanted to see it. Like now, mm-hmm. um, and this one is, is one that I've never seen, but I've always wanted to. And I'm, I'm definitely glad that we got there. Um, oh, yeah. So we conclude 2007 American Gangster which came out as the highest-rated film of our 2000s, uh, highest-rated film since 1999's The Matrix. Um, so that's very, very cool. I mean, of course, 
besides Scooby Doo. Obviously, um, it's hard. You know, obviously, Scooby Doo is a masterpiece, unbeknownst to man, in a caliber of its own. Uh, it's not yeah. really fair to compare it with anything else. And you know, we, we did say that about Star Wars. You know that it's not really fair to compare Star Wars to, to anything else. But the only thing that's fair to compare to Star Wars is Scooby Doo. Yeah, and Scooby Doo still edges it out, and it's it's hard. Still for me edges to, it out in pretty much every every single possible way. Pains me to say, but, but mm. yeah, I love Star Wars with all my heart. But goddamn, <laughs> Scooby Doo is a masterpiece of film. Mm. Uh, but we conclude 2007 this week. And therefore, next week we're on to 2008. We had some deliberation. We were like, we could talk Wally, mm. go with another animated movie, and uh, it was Wally for several weeks. But we were like, nah, let's go with best picture. Let's go with best director. Let's go with with the critical choice. Mm. We're going 2008's Slumdog Millionaire mm-hmm. uh, for next week. And uh, I'm I'm very excited about that. I I've never watched this movie, and it's mm-hmm. it's one that I think I'll I'll really really enjoy. Uh, at least I expect to. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm right in the same boat with you. I've never seen it. I've heard a lot of great things about it. I mean, it did win eight Oscars. Um. So, and picture of the year. I mean, I, I'm. I could guess be given. Don't want to go in give an American hyped. Gangster yeah. a run for its money. I don't want to go in too overhyped or anything. But uh, definitely, definitely ready to give this movie a watch. That's for very sure. exciting. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. But yeah, with that, we conclude this episode of the Penny Bloom podcast. If you would head to patreon.com slash Bloom, where you'll find over 24 hours of exclusive content. All that money goes back into making sure we can put this podcast on uh, just before this this recording uh, and what will now be a couple months back. <laughs> in the backlog of the Patreon, we uh, I, I I gave my review, my brief review for Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Talked about my excitement to go see the Northman. Kind of aging this podcast a little bit, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, a l- little bit of a time jump there, about five months. Uh, yeah, happy mid September, right now. Happy mid September. Do you? <laughs> I mean, like, I, I will soon remember the twenty first night of September. We're not quite there yet, uh, but almost. Uh, Almost. Uh, Do you remember? It's when it's not a September. Nah, but uh, yeah, Patreon, a lot of fun conversations over there. Um, so definitely go check that out. All that money goes back into making sure I can put this podcast on. So that's a huge help. Uh, head to Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom Pod, where if we are going to change plans, you know, like like we kind of have over the course of this for 2008, it was originally Wally. Now it will be Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, you'll find that information on Twitter at Penny Bloom Pod. Follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast, where I post up a bunch of whole, a whole bunch of fun graphics for our uh, for our episodes, breaking down what we discussed on any given episode. Uh, very fun. And then uh, I was Colton Robertson, joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. And remember. Peace, love, and bloom. And the loudest one in the room is the weakest one in the room. My man. My man.